0: Hi, I'm Helis Kendrick
1: and I'm Chris Keane and this is series two of the Recruit for Spouses podcast. Today I'm talking to three amazing ladies from the Forces Wives Challenge. Now they're about to embark on an epic journey and become the world's first all-female team to retrace the steps of one of the most important missions in World War II history. To tell us more about it, let's start with Alex McKay
2: the heroes of telemark were 11 guys who 79 years ago carried out an attack that changed the course of history so their mission was to destroy hitler's supply of something called deuterium oxide which is basically heavy water so it's h2o but the hydrogen atom has got an extra neutron that makes it a bit heavier and it's really, 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 really rare. But there was this power plant in Norway that was making it as a byproduct. And when the Nazis took over Norway and they had that occupation, they then acquired this supply of deuterium oxide. And the relevance of that is it is a critical ingredient to making an atomic bomb. So Hitler had this supply that had put him about two years ahead of the Brits and the US and the Allies in that race to make an atomic bomb at a point where that would have just been literally in one exercise he would have been able to take over Britain. He would have just been able to bomb London. But the problem was where this power plant was based it was incredibly difficult for the allies to access it and to do any damage because it was right next to a town full of civilians and it was right in the mountains in the depths of Norway as well so they wouldn't be able to approach it without being seen and being essentially shot down. So they sent in this small group of guys and they were actually brave Norwegians who had originally escaped from occupied Norway to join the British Special Operations Executive, which has now been absorbed as part of of Special Forces and MI6, etc. in the British infrastructure. And they were trained to do exactly this. And they were parachuted back into Norway. The really interesting thing is the first advance party were parachuted in to do a recce for about two weeks. To just send back information, do a recce, keep an eye on the plant and, you know, just work out how they were going to get in. But actually what happened was the subsequent attacks that were planned... They either went wrong or they were failed or the weather was too bad. And these four guys in the advance party that was codenamed Grouse, they ended up having to survive on the Vida, which is on the edge of the Arctic, at a height above Ben Nevis. They ended up having to survive for four months just on those two or three weeks worth of rations until the attack party joined them and they went in and carried out the attack, which was pretty much a suicide mission, to be honest. They all got out alive with no civilian casualties, and they destroyed that supply of heavy water. So, it's a really important, incredibly daring special forces mission in the the history of Second World War, history of the world. And the journey in itself to go from where they were parachuted to the power plant was incredibly gruelling for them and living up there on the Vida. And it's therefore retraced by people within the army. They often retrace as part of military history exercises. Ray Mears has done a documentary on it as well. But it's never, ever been done by a group of women. And that's what we're doing.
1: Amazing. And in terms of actually getting on the expedition in the first place, it wasn't just a case of putting your hand up saying, That looks brilliant. I'll get on that. I'll be there. There was an actual selection process, wasn't there?
2: Yes. I just remember her saying, Not have many applications. And in my head, I was thinking, Okay, brilliant, brilliant, okay, brilliant. Because she didn't know at that point that I was going to apply. And then I applied and then she went, oh, we've had 97 applications for eight places. And we all felt like this, actually. The first selection weekend was in September and a few people started saying how intimidating it was to go. I think there there's about 40 of us that turned up at the first weekend knowing that there was only eight places. It could be quite overwhelming or quite intimidating because these are 40 awesome women And then the second weekend, actually, there were only a couple that dropped out. So it was still a really high number. And that was in Taunton in November. And then finally, the eight were selected to join Heather and the expedition medic, Kate, who is part of FWC. And we have two girls who are coming with us on standby, but they've been doing everything the same as us. All the training, all the work that has been required before. And they will join us for the reenactment of the attack on the power plant, which is now a museum. So they'll come and join us at the end as well.
1: Awesome. And we are going to be talking to Boo and Kate on this podcast. But can you just give us a kind of brief outline of who is on the team?
2: So we come from all different types of jobs. Funny enough, there's a few of us that have got a science background. So... Jo works for a clinical research organisation. Elsa did her first degree and a PhD in neuroscience and then on a posting at Scotland with her husband she decided to do a medical degree as well. She actually works for a military charity as well. We have got a paediatric A&E nurse in the team. We've got a sports rehabilitation therapist, Boo, in the team as well, who I think you're going to be speaking to. We have also got obviously our medic and Heather and Kaz. Is a HR professional and a business coach. And then we've got a very talented makeup artist on the group as well. So we are already planning our get together in London when we come back. And I'm really hoping that Jen will be able to get her hands on our faces. We've actually also got a radiographer who has always worked with people, but she's currently working with animals at the moment. Uh, she's got a very interesting career.
1: And tell us why you personally decided to get involved in this.
2: It was incredibly deliberate. It was very, very intentional. I've known Heather for a long time, so Heather and I—we sort of moved in opposite each other probably about six or seven years ago on one of the patches and that's where I met Heather and a couple of years later she told me she was setting up FWC so right at the beginning so I was like okay awesome 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 that sounds absolutely brilliant I'd absolutely love to be involved I'd absolutely love to help but can I do it in a job that means I don't actually have to do any of this physical stuff because I told myself certain stories about what I was capable of physically which wasn't much And I had also told myself lots of stories that, you know, my strengths were in business, in marketing and science. And this just wasn't my bag. So I placed myself very firmly on the periphery and um, helped her out with the website. And that was that. And then during lockdown, Heather put on some virtual challenges and I started doing them. And there was one in particular that she only gave us three weeks notice for. I think I only started training about two weeks before and it was a 10 mile run and I don't think I'd ever run I think I might have run 5k once before and I was absolutely determined to do this because because it was a classic case of FOMO like all of our friends were doing it and they're all really fit and healthy and Heather was like it's all right you can walk it or you can share it and I was like right I'm doing this and I'm running it I'm not going to be the odd one out here and it turns out I loved it. And that was it. I never looked back. I, I was running all the time then. But in parallel, I was actually doing a coaching programme on the receiving end of the coaching programme, which was all about how important it is to put yourself out of your comfort zone which I kind of thought, well, all the way through my military experience as a military spouse, I've been putting myself out of my comfort zone all the time. But this programme was talking about, you know, being really honest with yourself about whether you are out of your comfort zone, whether you are doing something completely new. And I realised that everything I do in, in my business, it is a bit out of my comfort zone, but it's quite incremental. And the bit that I really needed to look at or the big opportunity for doing something very uncomfortable was to do something very physical. And so I decided I was going to do the next FWC challenge. And Heather put it out that here is a talent mark one. And this is what happens, Chris. This is what happens when you make this decision, right? I'm going to do this sort of thing. I step out of my comfort zone. And when your body and your mind immediately rejects it and immediately tries to resist it. Because she put it out and on the picture, she just picked a picture Of like a snowy slope, and I saw people were in skis, and within a split second I went, "Oh, I don't ski. Oh, I can't do it. Oh dear." And then I spoke to her a couple of weeks ago, and I said, "Oh, well, you know, I would have done it, but you know, I don't ski." And she went, "Alex, you don't have to ski. It says it really clearly. You don't have to be able to ski." And so then I was like, "Okay, I'm back in. I'm back on it again." So it was very, very intentional. And then what happened was I started learning about the heroes of Telemark themselves. And that's when it got really emotional. I realised I was obsessed with these guys. I was reading all the books. I was reading everything I could get my hands on. And suddenly I cared so much about doing it and getting selected so much so it was quite scary to go to those weekends and see all these amazing women you know in that fear of what if I don't get a place so I had that real emotional connection with the mission itself with the expedition itself but the intentional thing was to do something where I was genuinely stepping outside of my comfort zone and really challenging the stories I told myself about my physical capabilities
1: Let's talk about the training. Now, I've seen on social media a lot of you just dragging tyres all over the place. It looks brilliant. How is the training going for you and for the other girls?
2: As you say, Chris, it's tyre drags for two or three hours at a time, it's walking for again, sort of three hours at a time, but with weights in your rucksack. I've got a weighted vest, a 10 kilogram weighted vest, which I love. I don't know why I'm so attached to it. It's really comfortable. I absolutely love it. So then I can just put it on when I do the school run or I'm walking around where I live. And it's really different because, and I've talked to John about this, you actually don't get that endorphin hit that you would if you, you know, were going to do a 10k run. But it is also really, really accessible. So, Because even when the weather's rubbish, the context is we need to be practising for this. So I went out, it was absolutely torrential rain. But I was delighted because I was testing myself in that environment for, I think it was about an hour and a half, with with my tyre, which the harness broke. So I ended up carrying my tyre and then having to improvise with a run with it as well. So it's such a different training programme that has actually been part of the joy of this is getting to do a training programme like that that you would not normally do because mm. I'm pretty sure I won't get my tyre out there'd be no need to get my tyre out again after the expedition so I'm really trying to make the most of
1: it and how are you feeling at the moment in terms of are you nervous or are you more excited about this
2: so I'm definitely really nervous I think I'm fine like in my head I think I'm fine and I just every now and it's keep going it's just two weeks just, two, yeah, just going away for two weeks but i know subconsciously i'm just really really nervous about it because every day there'll be something that perhaps i'll overreact to or just sort of feel a bit more uh, like a bit panicky about a bit emotional about but that's the whole point of this that's the whole point of what fwc does is put you in these situations where you go ah okay i'm feeling like this for this reason I can get a hold on it and I can manage it. And this is great practice for developing that resilience. So I am really nervous. I'm really excited as well. And I think there's lots of unknowns. I can't even imagine what the temperature is going to feel like. I just can't imagine any of it. So actually all you have to do is just stick to what you know about your training and what you can do and just focus on what you do know in the moment.
1: Yeah. And in terms of your friends and family, what are their thoughts on this about you taking part? I know your husband is a full-time reservist, isn't he? So he must have done loads of AT in his time. What does he think about it? So he thinks it's absolutely
2: brilliant. He's absolutely delighted I'm doing this. So are all my family and friends. It's been really interesting, actually. Sort of friends around here, but sort of neighbours or, you know, just people in the school pick up or you know just the sort of people that you just you say hello to and you know you're chummy with mm-hmm. and my colleagues as well like the companies that I work for just how supportive everyone's been has been really touching actually and really really has meant a lot to me but yeah my family think it's great and my kids do they're really excited they talk about it all the time I think they just think this is kind of a normal thing my seven year old just jabbers away to his teacher about it and I think she probably thinks he's made something up so tons of support from family and friends which means an awful lot to all of us
1: and you're going to need that that sort of support in the back of the mind when you're out there when times are tough it's good to have that support isn't it
2: Yeah, and actually, do you know what? You've raised a really good point, Chris. We need to do something about it because we had, on one of the selection weekends, we were really lucky to hear from Wendy Sell. So Wendy Searle walked to the South Pole on her own. And Wendy's a force's wife with, I think she's got three kids and a job. And a few years ago, she just thought, I wonder if somebody just like me could just walk to the South Pole and maybe even break a record. <laughs> and that was it, she, just, she did it. So she came and talked to us and she put lots of messages. I think she wrote all these messages that had come in from her family and friends before she went. She wrote them all on the inside of her tent.
1: So we need to do something like that, actually, because, as you say, we're going to need it when we're out there. Another member of this incredible team is Boo, who runs her own business on sports and physical rehabilitation. So let's find out when Boo first heard about this amazing expedition.
3: I remember seeing it on the website, so I must have had an email and clicked on it. Because so I've been following Forces Wise Challenge since I was in Colchester, but never been able to get involved in anything because I had to... Well, I only had one little one at the time, but the chat was literally just going off on tour. And, yeah, I got an email clicked on this hot challenge. i like, that's so cool. I've never skied, I've never been anywhere that cold... You know, when you see a picture, I think it was just some people walking, skiing across the snow, pulling the poles, And I was like, that looks like such an adventure. I've only ever been in British snow. I've never been skiing before in my life. I've done a lot of challenges, sort of physical challenges, running cross country, doing coast to coast things, cycling, I do triathlons now, but I'd never skied and I'd never, on the history side of things, it just all fitted together. And it was the right time in my life that I just said to my husband, I was like, you know, what do you reckon to this? And he was like, oh my gosh, go for that. That looks really cool. I'll support you in every way, whatever you need to do.
1: And he's in the army, isn't he? So he gets to do AT all the time. But this is quite special, isn't it? Quite a special expedition. So is he a bit jealous that he's not doing it? Yeah, the
3: more and more the kit more and more stuff we get as well. He's never skied either. And we've always talked about going Nordic skiing, so cross-country skiing, and I think now... I'm kind of going, a bit like, oh, I wish I could do something like that. His AT side of things, his adventure training, he hasn't been on many for a while now. So I think, yeah, he's sort of itching to go away and do something. And now it's my turn, so it's like, hey, I want to go now. So he's meeting me afterwards, actually. He's coming out to see some snow, which will be really nice. His, oh, his way of getting a little little bit involved sort of with the cool stuff. So. Yeah.
1: Alex was telling us earlier about the selection process that you did, which when I saw it online a few months ago, I thought, that looks pretty tough. How did you find it?
3: I never thought I was very competitive. And all my friends were like, really? You are? Really? And I was like, no, I'm easygoing. You know, I, you know, I'm up for a challenge, but if I don't get in, whatever. But yeah, it's sort of first weekend and you meet everyone and you look around and think, oh, damn it, everyone's awesome. Everyone's really cool. Like, everyone's really really able like to do this and i remember sat there watching heather in the first sort of briefing thinking i really want to do it i really 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 want to do it. i don't know what i'm going to do if i don't don't get in and then by the end of the weekend i drove home i thought you know what i really get on with everyone already and i don't mind if it doesn't come through for me because i've met some really really amazing people who i know will i can call up and say do you want to come and do this and they'll say yes absolutely so It wasn't hard, because I thought I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm being so competitive, I'm going to... I really want this, and it was only the fact that because you've got no control over it and you don't know what they're looking for, it could almost put you at more ease, actually. It was like doing silly tasks with your friends. You know, you've never met these girls before, but... Yeah, you just felt like you are having a really great time and you sort of got to know them individually and then as a group and everything. And at the end of the weekend, you are really sad to say goodbye to them, but you knew your team in a couple of weeks. And then when we all met again, it wasn't like it was a selection process at all. We were all just meeting up again, like, like catching up, and it was must be so loud I think the guy in charge he was a bit like oh my god (laughs) what is this you're crazy because everyone was just so excited to be with each other I think that's what's so amazing is that yes this challenge brought everyone together like-minded people who were willing and putting themselves up for this sort of enormous task but everyone was so relaxed and everyone just got on really well and it's opened up some friendships that i wasn't expecting to be honest i was just you know set myself up for an adventure a bit of skiing you know a bit of a challenge on myself because i've always done stuff very independently i've always played golf and that's very singular and i used to just play team sports at school but i haven't been with a group of people so like-minded for a long time and just felt so good like it came away i think i messaged heather saying i've got such a warm feeling like in my tummy it feels so good like you know It wasn't about the expedition in the end, it was just being with these ladies. The team now are just fantastic, every individual. I've got something just really special with each of them and I love it. Yeah, I'm really excited to go away with them.
1: Awesome. And I was actually just about to ask, what are your feelings? Are you more excited or are you nervous?
3: I think it's been excitement up until now. We're all a bit like, oh my god, it's really soon. Have we done enough? Uh. But you know you're never gonna done enough because you can always do more and you can always do less. I think as much as it's an enormous task of physicality, as long as we're all there for each other, we'll be able to get through it, you know. From a physiological point of view in my job, I know that the body can do it. Yeah. No matter like how rubbish you're feeling or whatever. There's something in your body, you know, you've got enough reserve there, you've got everything, and it's going to be the mental side of things. But we've got a really strong team. We've been doing some like team building and sort of just trying to work out who we are and what we are, and we've been delving into ourselves quite a bit and doing our whys quite a lot. So we're a bit more aligned to each other as well, and discussing it sort of makes us understand each other a lot more. It's nerve-wracking doing that because <laughs> I'm very much sort of an open book you know, control what you can control, just deal, you know, blah, blah, blah. Looking inwardly is a bit daunting, but i have gone OK so far. <laughs> it's all right. And I can understand why we're doing it, because we're talking to each other about it all, and we can understand why each of us are doing the trip, which means if someone's struggling, we can help them through it, because we know how to dig them out of our, not, hopefully not a literal you know, snow hole. We'll know how to look after each other better than if we haven't done it.
1: How often have you actually seen each other in person from right at the start, selection process till now? How often have you seen each other?
3: So, because of the short timelines, because we only got picked in November, we were supposed to go up to Scotland and do a long weekend there. But one of the things meant that we couldn't go up to Scotland, so we all met up in the peaks and had a good couple of days there and rallied through some team building exercises. And <laughs> you know, but it was amazing how you know, we hadn't actually been together as the chosen team. We'd been together on the training weekend, selection weekends, and we knew each other individually and sort of a little bit in a group from that. But then being all together, it just felt so normal and felt so right. There were no sort of, oh, this is the team, maybe you know, how are you? It was just straight to business and just everyone was sort of dovetailing. And yeah, it was great to feel that. I have missed being part of a team. It, it's nice knowing that, There's people behind you. We've got a WhatsApp group and putting training videos on there and chatting sort of willy-nilly throughout the week and things. So it's nice getting to know each other through that as well. That's what's so great about technology these days. You know, we don't actually have to be in the same room to sort of build up a rapport. So, yeah, it's been going well (laughs) so far, so good.
1: And if you do hit a low point when you're out there, if you're feeling a bit down, thinking to yourself, why on earth have I decided to do this? Why am I here? If you do hit a sort of low point, have you got anybody that will be in your mind that you're going to be thinking about that will pick you back up again?
3: So my girls at home, they made me a bracelet, so that's going to be in my bag. Basically my family, my two girls who've been training with me the whole time, whenever I go uphill or do anything tricky, they sort of chant, come on mummy, over and over and over, which is quite fun for people who are walking past or (laughs) driving past, they can hear them. So that's going to be in my head, you know, whenever it gets a bit tricky. You know, I've got them close and obviously the chap will be rolling his eyes whenever I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, oh God, God did this. He's like, yes, you can, come on. <laughs> so I've got sort of that them in my head and my, um, my sisters and my parents and I've asked my sisters to write me just a little couple of notes that I can just put in my bag. I don't have to look at them, but just knowing that they'll be there, just having something from them gives you that. I'm not on my own. Well, I'm, you know, you're not on your own because you're with your team, but just from your your own team back home i'll think of them
1: and the final member of the team that we're talking to on this podcast is kate who is a gp and is of course going to be the team medic
0: i think there's something amazing about going away for a period of time having something that is just for me having a focus professionally having those challenges that you do get when you are doing an expedition with a group of people but overall meeting a different group of women and going on this journey together, you know, having a team around you going for a common goal, all of these are just amazing opportunities. And there were certain things that attracted me to it more than other challenges. I learned so much about myself when I was on the volcano and how far I can push myself that I just wanted to have a similar experience again. And it's odd. When I was in that volcano environment, I really, really loved being there, but I think I got more out of, It was afterwards that actually it really benefited me going on that expedition and doing everything I thoroughly loved the journey I loved being out there but it was afterwards I really got the benefit and I suppose I wanted to do something similar again
1: and in terms of selecting the ladies from all of those that turned up at the first selection weekend how tough was it only selecting 12 how tough was that and also what have you been doing up until now to get yourself prepared to go
0: Yeah, so Heather and I, because I'm on the board of directors and it was coming on the expedition because Heather wanted a medic on it, the selection process, so we organised a weekend in Sandhurst where we went and met all of the women that had put in a show of interest to go away and we had a really amazing weekend in Taunton where we did loads of command tasks and went on a long walk. It was just fab. And a lot of those weekends were just structured essentially to to see how physically fit people were, but more just to get to know people, to see how they work in a team. And then we had the really hard process of selecting the team which was really really tough because there were so many strong people on both of the weekends it was so hard to just whittle it down to 10 plus us but we managed it and then after that we went on a team building weekend to the peak districts in January and then we're doing the expedition so it's been hard but I think it naturally evolves any of those processes and it do naturally kind of evolve and you just see doing the command task talking to people you get to see people that really want to do it that are really passionate about it it's a really interesting process. It's the first time I've been on the other side.
1: And the heroes of Telemark, I've got to admit, I didn't really have a clue what it was or who they were or anything about the mission. But did you know what it was all about when you first decided to get involved?
0: No. Heather was talking to me about it and I said to Mark about it and he was like, oh, that's really hardcore. I didn't really know much about it and it wasn't until we you know, started planning this I then looked into background of what exactly here is telemark was it's an amazing amazing story i think that'd be really emotional actually when we're out there and we're doing a remembrance service for want of a better word so yeah
1: and if we fast forward to actually getting out there now and doing it what things are you most looking forward to and what things are you absolutely dreading
0: so i'm really dreading the sleeping arrangements i'm fine with limited sleep but i'm really dreading the sleeping arrangements when we're actually out on the bidder And I'm really dreading the kind of general toilet hygiene situation as well when we're on the vidder. I'm not 100% sure how that's going to work. I know I've done it before, like I've done all these things before, did it on the volcano, it it was fine. But I think it's the added coldness that is (laughs) a little bit, yeah, the temperature. What am I looking forward to? I'm just looking forward to spending time with a group of girls who I've gotten to know But actually, you know, we haven't spent that much time face to face. So we're in constant contact. But I'm really looking forward to getting to know the girls more. I'm really looking forward to pushing myself, finding more out about myself. Yeah, I suppose it's the team thing, really, that I'm
1: most looking forward to. Kate, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and talking to me today. Final question. And I've asked Alex and Boo this as well. But when you're out there, if things do get a bit tough and you start to feel a bit down, a bit low, who are you gonna be thinking about back home that's gonna pick you right back up again?
0: Oh, it will always have to be my babes. It'll be the kids and Mark at home because ultimately, you know, I want them to be proud of me. And whilst I do this for myself, I really want to do it for them as well and just show them that whilst daddy can go away and do all these really cool things, mommy can go and do something cool as well.